faithwire.com. Well, hello and welcome to 4 and 3, a podcast breaking down four of the most important stories of the day and three things you need to know about them, all from a Christian perspective. Today is Thursday, April 29th, 2001. I'm Dan Andros. Coming up on the podcast today, Biden's quiet yet radical address, but Tim Scott steals the show. We'll have the details on last night's address. Plus, skillet frontman John Cooper condemns woke ideology that's, quote, wrecking Christianity. Mayor de Blasio says New York City is going to be fully reopened July 1st. And hundreds of biological men transfer to female prisons after a governor signs the Transgender Dignity Bill. We'll have these stories and more with Trey Gons Phillips from FaithWire.com. Trey, how's it going on this Thursday, sir? I am good. I'm very good. Uh, it's almost the weekend, you know. Yeah. yeah. It just seems like yeah. the, the week starts and then the week is over. Yeah. I don't it's, understand how time can move as quickly as it does. No, it. I mean, look, when you get your nose down to the grind and the news and it's coming at you left and right, I mean, there's yeah. trillion dollar bills flying every single day. You know, it's uh, okay. It's uh, it comes at you fast. So yeah, for sure. All right, all right. Let's head right into story number one. We've got Joe Biden addressing the joint session of Congress last night, and wow, did he make a plea for big government being basically the savior of all America's woes? He even declared that we the people really doesn't mean what you thought it meant all these years. Here's what he said. We have to prove democracy still works, that our government still works, and we can deliver for our people. In our first hundred days together, we've acted to restore people's faith in democracy to deliver. We're vaccinating the nation. We're creating hundreds of thousands of new jobs. We're delivering real results to people. They can see it and feel it in their own lives. Opening doors of opportunity, guaranteeing some more fairness and justice. That's the essence of America. That's democracy in action. Our Constitution opens with the words, as trite as it sounds, we the people. Well, it's time to remember that we the people are the government. You and I. Not some force in a distant capital. Not some powerful force that we have no control over. It's us. It's we the people. Very uh, odd tone there and an interesting <laughs> angle talking about how we the people really means the government. Uh, yeah. I'm not really sure what he was going for there, if he misspoke or what what the deal was, but that certainly caught a lot of people's attention. Um, Axios reported that uh, they got a source that was saying Biden was deliberately trying to echo FDR's fireside chats, which he did on the radio between 1933 and 1944 while he was president. Um, apparently FDR was like really whispery in those because that's kind of how Biden sounded to me, which he kind of sounds like I do when I'm trying to ask my wife again, if it's cool that I finally buy that Harley Davidson, like we can do this. I know it's $10,000 over our budget for a toy bike. That's not in our budget at all, but we can't limit our dreams. We've got to think big, honey. We can do this. So I, you know. I don't know. I mean, maybe that's how it was. But he quoted FDR at one point saying, uh, Franklin Roosevelt reminded us in America, we do our part. We all do our part. That's all I'm asking. Of course, FDR at the time was dealing with the Great Depression and World War II, not exactly on par with today's struggle of, hey, I've got to use the Starbucks drive through because we're not allowed to go inside. But nevertheless, he went all in on that. And he also called the January 6th Capitol riots the worst attack on our democracy since the Civil War. 
And many pointed out that he's discounting and overlooking 9-11. Not to mention the radical leftists from the Weather Underground who bombed the U.S. Capitol building in 1971. And when radical leftists again bombed the Capitol building in 1983. And then there's Pearl Harbor when Japan surprise attacked America and 2,403 people were killed. Capitol riots, by comparison, while obviously an ugly sight, resulted in one death, and that was a protester trying to breach uh, the security post inside the building. Officer Sicknick, who uh, tragically died as well, it's been now revealed that it appears that he died from natural causes unrelated to the riots. So um, an interesting comparison there for Biden, and he spent a lot of the time trying to basically give government credit for a whole host of things like the vaccine and the rollout. And uh, he ignored Operation Warp Speed, didn't give any credit there. He took all the credit for himself, ignoring the fact that the Trump administration was already surpassing the pace for the 100 million shots goal that he initially uh, started his his new term with that Biden did. Uh, Other things that Biden focused on, he pushed for a universal pre-K for three and four year olds. He also quipped that we don't need certain guns uh, and should pass gun control because, quote, our deer wearing Kevlar either ignoring or just not aware that the Second Amendment wasn't really made for hunting, but for protecting citizens from a tyrannical government. I think this is common knowledge. Uh, Some interesting angles Biden's taking that don't fit actual history. So, But Biden went on to tout his massive spending bills, the ones that have been passed and proposed. Uh, All told, Biden really wants to spend a phenomenal amount of money, $6 trillion dollars. Um, which he says would cause government, as you heard in that clip, to touch every corner of American life. Um, he did that also sounds terrifying. Yes, he did also <laughs> cover the issues of race and policing. Uh, there was a lot there um, that we can't fit into this time. But um, Senator Tim Scott then offered the GOP response and closed with a very faith-filled message. His most viral moment, however, before we get to that, was when he said America is not a racist country. Here's what he said. When America comes together, we've made tremendous progress, but powerful forces want to pull us apart. A hundred years ago, kids in classrooms were taught the color of their skin was their most important characteristic. And if they looked a certain way, they were inferior. Today, kids are being taught that the color of their skin defines them again. And if they look a certain way, they're an oppressor. From colleges to corporations to our culture, people are making money and gaining power by pretending we haven't made any progress at all. By doubling down on the divisions, we've worked so hard to heal. You know this stuff is wrong. Hear me clearly. America is not a racist country. It's backwards to fight discrimination with different types of discrimination. And it's wrong to try to use our painful past to dishonestly shut down debates in the present. So that was part of Tim Scott's speech. And he closed uh, with that um, talking about faith and saying that he's more than hopeful and confident that our finest hour is yet to come. And that original sin is never the end of the story, not in our souls and not for our nation. He said the real story is always redemption, which was, I thought, a great thing to hit on because that is the thing that's missing in today's cancel culture society. Uh, He said, I'm standing here because my mom has prayed me through some very tough times. I believe our nation has succeeded the same way because generations of Americans in their own ways have asked for grace and God has supplied it. Uh, And then he went on to uh, end by reading 
uh, from number six. And may the Lord bless you and keep you. May his face shine upon you and be gracious to you. May his presence go before you and behind you and beside you in your weeping and rejoicing. He's with you. May his favor be upon our nation for a thousand generations and your family and your children and their children. Good night. God bless. So it was a strong close there of from uh, Senator Scott. And what's the left saying? Well, the left is generally praising Biden's speech, of course. And, you know, sadly, Uncle Tim was trending on Twitter all night and into the morning after Tim Scott's speech. And so um, blatantly a racist reaction there. And nobody, you know, Twitter doesn't seem to be wanting to take that one down. Um, And the other interesting thing, Kamala Harris was on TV this morning and she responded to that comment. They asked her about um, Tim Scott's comment about America not being racist. Here's what she said. I believe that we need to, well, first of all, no, I don't think America is a racist country, but we also do have to speak truth about the history of racism in our country and its and its existence today. Interesting comment there. And I think Tim Scott did speak to the truth that he talked about his own experiences with racial discrimination and uh, being pulled over for no reason and things of that nature. So he did talk about those things. It's just how do we address it is the problem. So yeah. it's interesting that Kamala, uh, the vice president there, um, said that America is not racist because that seems to go against all of the systemic racism talk. Um, yeah. So what's the right saying? Well, the right um, saw the speech as quietly radical. Ted Cruz said that Biden was being intentionally boring because he was laying out a radically big <laughs> government agenda. And he said the most radical line of the night from Biden was the we the people is government line. He said, no, Joe, you seriously misunderstand the Constitution. We the people is not the government. It's the people who are in charge of the government whose liberty Biden is stripping away. Why does it matter? What matters? Because this isn't just some regular policy speech here, Trey. This is a radical shift in the country. Yeah. And like like Ted Cruz said, despite the soft tone, it definitely mo- is moving us away from what America was founded on into an into a era where they really believe government's top. You, you didn't hear Biden talking about the ingenuity of the American people. You heard him lecturing Americans to get shots and do your job. And it's because progressives don't believe in the people. They they yeah. believe we make bad choices and that we need we go against our own interests, and so therefore they have to give us choices that are the are are what they believe are the good choices, and that government's the only way to spur growth. And, that, and that's a big fundamental difference in direction. Yeah, absolutely. And I think that was definitely on display last night. Um, and a little bit of uh, breaking news, Dan. Mm-hmm. Uh, just just a little bit ago, uh, Twitter decided and announced that they will they are uh, blocking Uncle Tim from are they trending really? anymore on Twitter oh, wow. because they said it violates their policies on hey. uh, harmful language. Wow, I can't believe so, they didn't see that one. It, it took them that long, but and that took at least they did it. At least they the did morning. it. <laughs> I'll they give did, credit did do it. So you know. I'll give, you know, good for them for doing the right thing, yeah. even if it took a while. Yes, indeed. Uh, so uh, also <laughs> back to uh, Vice President Harris. I just, It's interesting that she says that this morning. Clearly, it was something that I guess the Democratic Party felt resonated and yeah. was was going to be a problem for them because literally less than a week ago, Harris said that the, uh, talking about the Chauvin conviction, this work is long overdue. America has a long history of systemic racism. Sounds <laughs> like you're talking about a racist country there. Yeah. Uh, that, that, and then just less than a week later, I agree with Senator Scott. America yeah. is not a racist country. So it, I, it, I guess the positive there is clearly it got under her skin. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, that sounds racist, Trey, talking about skin. Um, I know. Yeah. <laughs> no, but uh, the. Um, 
It is interesting because bothered that, her, I should say. Yeah, that is a, that. I'm just kidding. That, that is a conflicting <laughs> yeah. message, though. The systemic racism thing. I mean, maybe there's some polling that instant polling may have or something that where they shouldn't need that to realize calling a large majority of the country just racist just because yeah. that's the because the color of their skin, as Tim Scott said, you know, makes you an oppressor. Um, it's such a ridiculous idea and a radical idea and they all embraced it just without thinking because it was popular and now they're going to have to sit here and it, you know and have to say this is our campaign message that all you guys are racist and you can't help yeah. it you know yeah. and it's, it's not a good message yeah. but and the other thing that I was thinking last night while I was watching president biden's speech is the leader of the free world you know the president of the united states is publicly and proudly declaring yes our systems are intentionally designed to be racist. <laughs> uh, what other country, like what self-respecting leader of another country is then going to look at America and like yeah. take us seriously exactly. when our, our president is saying all of the institutions, including the ones that put me here, are inherently racist. Yeah. Like how do you take someone how do you take someone seriously when they say that? I I, I fundamentally disagree with Biden, uh, but even if I was going to take him seriously and agree with him, it's like that really doesn't put America in, in, in a strong spot. No. And honestly, if that were true, I'm just waiting for uh, President Biden to relinquish his spot to Kamala Harris and just just give it up. Because, yeah. you know, what what better way to fight the systemic racism, uh, old white man Joe, than to <laughs> give up your spot to a, to a minority? Just saying. Yeah. Yeah. Just a uh, crazy, crazy night. Indeed. So, all right, story number two. So, Skillet uh, lead singer, uh, frontman John Cooper, uh, is calling out what he described as the woke ideology permeating the church, which he argued is wrecking Christianity. Uh, so, at the crux of the uh, recording artist's definition of woke ideology is a morally relativistic framework. That was kind of what he was talking about. He was condemning postmodernism and relativism. Uh, and arguments about like my truth mm -hmm. uh, was was kind of at the center of what he was saying. Uh, he was on Abby Johnson's podcast when he said it, and he said that it doesn't even make sense uh, for a Christian to be a moral relativist or to embrace postmodernism. He said you can't believe in God but not believe in absolute truth uh, because one negates the other. Yet that's actually what's happening in Christianity. He said uh, Cooper urged Christians to be extremely vigilant about the Word of God. Uh, later adding that a lot of people have been tricked into believing what he described as another gospel, uh, referring to the secularized Jesus that takes all of his grace and love and leaves out his call for us to abandon our sin and to live in obedience to scripture. Uh, Abby Johnson talked a little bit about her own story. She used to work at an abortion clinic at Planned Parenthood, uh, obviously, and she was saying that she got to a point where she was okay abandoning the faith that she grew up uh, mm -hmm. believing and was even to got to the point where she said, you know, if God is who he says he is, if this Christianity stuff turns out to be true, I'm okay with being condemned to hell is what she thought at the time, because she said, what I'm doing is virtuous. Uh, I'm helping women. And what I'm doing is is morally the right thing. Uh, so Cooper was saying, yeah, like that's what happens when you're uh, willing to uh, say that, you know, I know better than God. I'm smarter than God. I, I understand uh, more morality better than God. Yeah. He said it, it, it essentially creates a secular gospel. 
uh, and and this is is what happened. So he he ended his comments on that by saying, "I think we have a load of people who say they believe that they're followers of Jesus Christ, but really they're not. Uh, they just like the idea of who, of who they think Jesus is, uh, but I don't think they actually know the biblical Jesus." So what's the left saying? Well, this is certainly the direction that prominent progressive Christians have been going for a while. Senator Raphael Warnock uh, from Georgia, he pastors the church once led by MLK. Uh, He said recently that the meaning of Easter is not the resurrection of Jesus. Instead, he wrote, whether you are a Christian or not, through a commitment to helping others, we are able to save ourselves. Uh, CNN's Don Lemon last summer uh, said that Jesus admittedly was not perfect. Uh, during his earthly ministry. Uh, There are, of course, numerous passages that contradict that and describe Jesus (laughs) as having committed no sin, having known no sin, uh, as a lamb without blemish, uh, as a a man who is holy and blameless, unstained by sin. Uh, And then, of course, there's the famous TikTok uh, gay pastor, Brandon Robertson. We've written about him at Faithwire. Uh, He claimed that Jesus was racist and had to do the work uh, to become an anti-racist. Uh, so what's the right saying? Well, I'm not, I'm not entirely sure that this fits perfectly into the political right, but I know Christians who adhere to, to the inerrancy of Scripture have definitely pushed back against these classifications and this relativistic push. Like Abby Johnson said during her conversation with Cooper, that truth isn't something that can be modern or can evolve. It just is. Like if it was true uh, when Jesus was on earth, it's true today. That's just the nature of absolute truth. Uh, so a postmodern society uh, is is just going to buck up against that. Uh, but that's the reality of what truth is. Uh, and Derwin Gray, he's a, a pastor from North Carolina. He responded to Don Lemon, uh, you know, last year when he when he said what he said, uh, and told him that Jesus was absolutely perfect, and even offered to give him some theological advice anytime, and told him to hit him up whenever he he wanted to talk. Uh, so why does it matter? Well, according to a recent Barna Group survey, 65% of teenagers and uh, young adults agreed with the claim that many religions can lead to eternal life. <laughs> And 30, yeah, crazy. And then 31% said that they strongly agree with the claim that what is morally right and wrong changes over time based on society. So 43%, I think, is the number of those who said that they somewhat agree uh, that what's right and wrong changes over time. Uh, And Cooper said that 18-year-olds now are watching four-minute TED Talks uh, and then feel equipped to judge the millennia of wisdom, (laughs) which he said is the epitome of arrogance. (laughs) Uh, So I can't disagree with that there. Uh, Uh, So I I think this push, particularly if if what Cooper is saying is is true, that a lot of this is permeating Christianity, it, it is concerning and worth examining. I think churches need to be committed to letting scripture lead us right and instead of you know on issues of injustice ethnicity and sexuality whatever instead of looking at those issues through a secular lens and then interpreting scripture i think we need to flip it uh, and let scripture speak in uh, to the to the issues of the day yeah and uh now i have we have breaking news as well on this one trey we saw that uh, benjamin watts had chimed in yeah. on uh on uh, our faith wire post there over on facebook uh, of course, the former NFL uh, star who uh, is outspoken Christian, pro-life advocate, uh, things of that nature. Um, but uh, he he poses a question. It'll be interesting to see if uh, uh, Cooper responds. But do you happen to have that in front of you? What he said? I don't know Let if I have see. it. I have it here. 
Yeah, okay. so we posted the story that says skillet frontman John Cooper condemns woke ideology that's wrecking Christianity. And Ben said, trying to understand his definition of woke, is he defining woke ideology as relativism or something else? Because relativism isn't anything new. It's been around since the beginnings. Um, so that would be interesting to get uh, Cooper's response to that. Yeah, for sure. I, I would definitely be interested in, in hearing what um, what he would say to that. Uh, you know, we could we could have a, a discussion between yeah. the two of them if they would uh, be interested in coming on. Yeah, we'll we'll try to facilitate so, that. We'll see if it, sure. see what happens. Yeah. I think it would I think it would be I think it would be fruitful. I think it'd be beneficial. Yeah. It would certainly be better than a four minute TED talk. Absolutely. <laughs> and maybe you can, after you watch that, then maybe you might be more equipped yeah, uh, to, yeah. to make a declaration. But a four minute TED talk really isn't going to no, do it. No, it isn't going to do it. <laughs> All right. Let's, uh, let's, let's head into story number three. All right. Hey, July 1st could be a big day in New York City. Mayor Bill de Blasio announced uh, on TV this morning that New York City plans to fully reopen on July 1st with no restrictions on restaurants, retail, or any other business. De Blasio said, quote, we said a month ago or so it was the variants versus the vaccination. What was going to win? Which one was going to win the race? Vaccination is winning this race. 6.3 million vaccinations. COVID is plummeting, he said. This is going to be the summer of New York City. You're going to see amazing activities, cultural activities coming back. I think people are going to flock to New York City because they want to live again. He added that we're focused on the data and science. That's how we've made every decision. And that's what's worked. And the data and the science are saying out loud, it's time to come back. So the left, some of the left already responded to saying, oh, here comes another big spike. And that's kind of been the uh, sarcastic reaction there. What's the right saying? Well, the right's been advocating for opening things up for some time now. I mean, Texas famously opened up uh, fully back in uh, March. And uh, Florida, I don't, well, North Dakota or South Dakota with uh, Governor Nome never closed anything down. And then Florida also opened things up as well. All, all, by the way, to threats of death. Uh, if you remember when Governor Abbott announced that Texas was going to be re- reopening, uh, Democrats swiftly pounced, calling it extremely dangerous and saying it. this action will kill Texans. Beto O'Rourke um, used similar rhetoric, calling Abbott's moves a, quote, death warrant for Texans and claiming the governor is, quote, killing the people of Texas, end quote. Um, that was now uh, probably about what, I guess, month and a half, two months ago now. Yeah. And the numbers have not spiked at all. It's actually going down uh, as far as cases and deaths. So I guess nobody's going to call out Beto O'Rourke on that one or the other Democratic leaders uh, who kind of tried to scare everyone into saying this was going to be some you know, dead bodies yeah. are going to be piling up because of this decision. So. Why does it matter? Well, we've been facing these restrictions on companies for a long time now, for far too long. Long overdue to get rid of these restrictions and let f- people be free again fully. Um, because, you know, it's it was one thing to kind of have these restrictions in place at the beginning, but now there's just very little justification for it. Even when cases, quote unquote, rise, you know, the original threat, which the goalposts have moved, the original claim was we don't want to overwhelm the hospitals. No one talks about that anymore. It doesn't, it doesn't even get mentioned. We yeah. have no idea where the hospitals are close to being overwhelmed or not. No, no one even mentions that. Pr- probably because they're not even close to being overwhelmed. Yeah, uh, and they know that they would have to then get rid of all these restrictions if that was the baseline. But here we are. 
I mean, I have to say good for uh, de Blasio, yeah. you know, whether it's he's doing it for political reasons. And saving his own skin. He's like, wait a minute. Yeah. Uh, or if he's doing it because he actually thinks it's the right thing, which I would say the science suggests that. Mm-hmm. Uh, but, you know, good for him and for our colleague, Sarah, in New York City. I'm sure yes. she <laughs> she's, can live a normal Happy life. Happy to be free again. Uh, um, so, but, I, you know, I, the funny thing to me about uh, the criticisms of Texas and I can't remember this doctor's name at, at the moment, but he was on the Today Show uh, not that long ago, and he was analyzing, okay, why why are cases not going up and, in fact, going down in Texas? And I don't think anybody is kind of under the impression that Texans were always really following the rules, even when they were in place. Yeah. Um, you know, they might not have always been all wearing masks, uh, <laughs> just because, you know, Texas people, Texans are kind of, they do their own thing. Yeah, Texans uh, are going to Texas, you know. Yeah, exactly. But um, the doctor said it's likely that they probably have reached a level of herd immunity uh, and their their huh. cases are going down because a lot of them have either, you know, been vaccinated because it was just a few weeks ago. So at this point, a lot of people are vaccinated uh, or they've been exposed to the virus and recovered. Uh, so I was like, huh. Hmm. So herd immunity is not actually like, you know, the worst thing on planet I Earth. Guess not, yeah. Uh, so, but it, it it is good news nonetheless that cases in Texas uh, have been decreasing uh, since they lifted mandates. It's a good argument for lifting mandates. So, yeah, uh, you know, more power to Texas. <laughs> uh, all right, story number four. This is very much not Texas. Uh, so, last fall, California's governor uh, Gavin Newsom, who uh, will it looks like is going to face a recall vote. By the way, uh, he signed into law the Transgender Respect Agency and Dignity Act. Uh, which allows incarcerated transgender, non-binary, and intersex people to be housed and searched in a manner consistent with their gender identity. So as of the beginning of April, more than 250 prisoners have requested to be transferred from men's prisons into women's prisons. And so far, not a single request has been denied. Uh, So female inmates at the Central California Women's Facility in Chowchilla told the Los Angeles Times that they're scared. Uh, Some inmates said that guards have warned them that, quote, unquote, men are coming uh, and to prepare for sexual violence to spike. Uh, Inmate uh, Tomekia, I'm not sure how to pronounce her name exactly, Tomekia Johnson uh, told the Times that they're telling us if we think it's bad now, be prepared for the worst. That's going to be off the hook. It's going to be jumping. Uh, Terry Thornton, a press secretary for the California Department of Corrections and Rehabilitation, told the Daily Caller earlier this month that transgender inmates who requested to be moved because of their sexual identity are thoroughly investigated and reviewed to ensure the audacity of their claims and to make sure that they're appropriately moved based on their criminal history. Interestingly, though, Dan, at least two inmates so far have requested to be uh, moved back because they changed their minds uh, on their transgender identities. Uh, so it, I don't know if that what that says about how thorough they are at reviewing uh, these claims when two of them have already reverted back. Um, so uh, take that how you will. All right, yeah. what's the left saying? Well, this is a policy touted by many on the left. Obviously, it was signed by a leftist governor. Uh, it is worth noting, though, that even Jasmine Holmes, a legal assistant at the Transgender, Gender Variant, and Intersex Justice Project, uh, which has been working with with inmates on this policy admitted to the la times that there is some concern about inmates claiming to be transgender uh, just to be moved to a facility with the opposite sex uh, so i guess that's that's some good news there 
Uh, you know, what's the right saying? Well, Abigail Schreier warned uh, she has concerns too about male inmates faking a transgender identity in order to be transferred to uh, a space with female inmates. And Christian theologian and writer John Stone Street uh, wrote at thestream.com uh, this week, perceptions of or claims to gender identity do not change chromosomes, nor do they eliminate male desire or weaken male physical strength when compared to women. To ignore these realities of the physical world is not only to our peril, but to the peril of the women who will be trapped with biological males against their wills. Mm -hmm. This isn't sound or compassionate policy. This will be for many women the definition of cruel and unusual punishment. So why does it matter? Well, this goes back to the moral relativism we were talking about earlier, right? That we're trying to play God, essentially, and we're already seeing how devastating that is. This isn't going to end well at all. You know, this morning I was reading a quote from uh, Christian writer Paul Tripp, and it seemed seems really fitting. He said, even though sin somehow, some way reduces us all to fools, at the very same time, it also convinces us that we are smarter than God. I think that's certainly is, is proving itself to be true. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And um, man, you know, you do think about this, and I think what was born out of a desire for at least some to help and be compassionate towards people has kind of gone overboard yeah. to the point where we're just not thinking about the consequences down the road and how this impacts other people and, and through intimidation and bullying can't speak out against this stuff or else you're a bigot and yeah. uh and you know i think women are generally being hurt by this they're going to lose opportunities um just their whole identity is going to be called into question because what is a woman if you can just say you're one you know yeah. um yeah. so uh yeah so I, I think you know we need this is where this is where it's helpful to be a christian and you actually have a moral standard you have an understanding of why god created us and who we are and what we're meant to be um yeah. because you can make sense of the world and you can just see the floundering from those who don't believe and just what they're willing to cling on to to find any sense of meaning or purpose yeah, and I don't want to suggest that Christians have always gotten the messaging right, right of because course. we haven't, you know. But there, there is a uh, there we there there should be a distinction between compassionate and compromising, right? Yeah, it's now it's kind of like you if you're if you're going to be compassionate, that means you also have to compromise your biblical view, and that shouldn't be the case. Right. Like as Christians, we should be able to be compassionate to someone who is struggling with a very real case of gender dysphoria that should be addressed. It's, you know, it's, it's, it's an issue that does exist uh, and it should be uh, cared for. So I think that it's an opportunity for Christians, I would hope to step in and say, okay, this is, a, this is a clinical diagnosis that needs to be addressed. And we have clinical answers. Uh, and more importantly than that, we have a Jesus who supersedes anything that you're going through uh, and can meet you where you are, you know, whatever that looks like. Uh, so I think it's an opportunity for Christians to minister, but we also do need to, like you said, stay stand firm on what we know Scripture says about sexuality and what it says about our our existence as male and female, um, and and the supremacy of God's word over that. Yeah. Um, so you know, these are conversations we need to have compassionately, but like I said, we shouldn't compromise our principles either. Yep, hundred percent. Well said. All right, that's all the time we have for today. Uh, we thank you for tuning in here to the 4 and 3 podcast. Go ahead and follow us on uh, on uh, YouTube. You can catch us there. And uh, I believe we're going to be up on iTunes soon here, if, if not already. But uh, 
uh, you'll be able to listen to us. We're all regular podcasts and you listen to your favorite podcast. So, and as always, go over to cbnnews.com and faithwire.com for more news from a Christian perspective. God bless you. We'll see you back here tomorrow for more of the same. God bless.